Welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, a bi-weekly look at all things related to the growing elite clubs nationally, the ECNL. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. Now, here's your host for Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, former U.S. soccer press officer and longtime soccer broadcaster, Dean Linke. Once again, on this week's Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, I have a superstar with a super story to tell. Hi, you guys. This is Jessica McDonald, a two-time NCAA champion at University of North Carolina, a three-time NWSL champion with Western New York Flash, and two with North Carolina Courage, and a member of the 2019 U.S. Women's World Cup Championship team. A mother to Jeremiah, who was born in 2012, and soon to be mom to my second child come this winter. And right now, I am serving as a television analyst for Optus Sport Down Under in Australia. Join Dean Linky and me on this week's edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, as we talk Women's World Cup, NWSL, giving birth for the second time, Lord help me, and how much the ECNL has done to produce the next generation of superstars in college, the pros, and even the national team. We will do that and so much more as Jessica McDonald has a story to tell, a story of overcoming adversity and fulfilling all of her dreams. The story of J-Mac, Jessica McDonald, after this message from the ECNL. As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country. With a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. As you just heard, we're being joined by one of my all-time favorites, Jessica McDonald. As you heard, multiple national championships at North Carolina, multiple championships at NWSL, a member of the 2019 U.S. women that won the World Cup, and soon to be the mom for a second time. And she's over there doing what I knew she could do, and that is working in television at the World Cup. We're talking about J-Mac, Jessica McDonald. J-Mac, welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Hey, Dean. Thanks so much for having me. Always always a joy having a nice little chat with you. Yeah, I always enjoy it as well. And I'm so excited for you as you get ready to have your second baby. But I'm just as excited that you are working in media. I've told you all along that that'll be your next step. How's it going? What's it like working over there for the World Cup in Australia? Honestly, it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, just being at this next world cup behind the scenes and not necessarily in the scenes it's it's really cool just to see the world cup at a different angle but also talking about it and i think what's really helpful is obviously me knowing the game and really breaking things down each game that i've been analyzing and so it, and, and what else is helpful is knowing who a lot of these women are and really knowing strengths and weaknesses a little more in depth than a lot of people do. And so it's been one of the coolest experiences of my life so far. So I think 
starting off doing the Women's World Cup in media is a great way to, you know, start this next career, you know, smoothly moving into this, you know, once I'm finished playing. Well, everything you do, you're great at. I mean, when you're growing up, you're great at all the different sports, and then you figured out a way to get to North Carolina. So I'm not surprised at all, but it's one thing to do it at the World Cup. It's another thing to be several months pregnant. How is that going for you, J-Mac? That's got to be tough. Yeah, the, it's had its challenging days, obviously, because, you know, growing a human, it's it's quite exhausting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had some pretty long days here, but Optus Sport has been very understanding of my pregnancy and not even just me. There's there's literally three of us who are pregnant here. And, you know, I've, I've one woman who is three weeks ahead of me and, you know, she's had to, you know, take her, her foot off the pedal a little bit as well. And so, um, there, there have been some challenging days physically, but, uh, it's, it's been nice to have the support from all the sport and how understanding that they have been knowing we're growing little humans inside of us. So, but overall the experience is great. And, you know, there, there are times where I do ask for a stool instead of just standing behind the panel and, they do give us the option to sit now. So that's been like, that's honestly been really helpful. You know, just like in 2019, when Jeremiah was there, I feel like I've seen pictures. Is he over there with you as well for this World Cup? He is. Yeah. Um, he's, he's been coming to work with me every day. He, he like loves being in the building. And I, I don't know if it's because of all of the computers that are there. Cause he's like such a techie type kid. And I hired two babysitters before we came out here and I told him I was like anytime you you know don't want to be in the building with me at work you know like you can go out and explore with your sitters he's like no I, I like being at work with you and I'm like well okay like he's such an easygoing kid which makes my job much easier and I'm saving money of course not having to pay for a sitter but yeah he's been coming to work with me every every single day and he's enjoying himself which has surprised me for an 11 year old I mean, he's 11 going on 16. He's such a great Literally. kid. <laughs> Obviously, I got to meet him during your time with the North Carolina Courage. And, you know, it's just like everything you do, you find a way. You're so endearing. And you did a couple stints at Australia, including one recently where you kind of got your nose in there and said, hey, I want to be involved. You kind of made this happen, didn't you, J-Mac? This opportunity to be on TV talking about the World Cup over in Australia. Absolutely. So like you said, I was down here playing in the A-League with Western United and I wanted to start an internship with CBS Sports this last offseason. I've been going back and forth with them to kind of get things started. And so playing in Australia wasn't necessarily in the plan, but, you know, it was an opportunity that came up to come down here and play as a as a guest player. So I thought to myself, like, holy crap, like the Women's World Cup is here this year. I was like, I need to get my foot in this door. So I had reached out to my head coach, Mark, and I was like, hey, do you know anybody, you know, in, in media that could, you know, help me get things started, basically? And I was like, I, I would love to be here for the Women's World Cup. And so um, he got me in contact with the head of production for Optus Sport here, which is like the ESPN of Australia, yeah. basically, and got me in contact with him. And my first meeting, I was in a Zoom meeting with all of head of production. It was like three guys. And I didn't even have to introduce myself whatsoever. They had already done all their research on me. They have probably watched 
all of my interviews that I've probably never even seen and knew that I knew the game and they, they wanted some diversity as well. And immediately they were like, oh, we want you. And I literally did not speak. They're like, we want you. We did enough research. We know who you are. You know, what a better way to have someone, you know, at your caliber, you want a world cup. Now you're going to work for us at the next world cup, you know, and they just spoke very highly of me. And, and it was really humbling to be honest. Cause I was like, you guys realize I've never done this before. Right. And they're like, oh yeah, but we trust you. It's going to be fine. I was like, well, okay. Sounds good. I was like, thank you for the opportunity. And I think that meeting lasted like 15 minutes and I, I was hired just like right on the spot. Not surprising at all. And short of being several months pregnant, what's been the best part about being on TV and what's been the toughest part about being on TV, J-Mac, in your own words? Yeah, so the best part about being on TV, I, I guess it's something that I'm used to, to be honest, you know, with, with interviews and, and things like that, doing on-camera stuff, but really knowing the game and really being able to break things down a little more in depth that help people who don't necessarily understand the game in depth the way that I do and being able to break that down and giving them key pieces to football. Um, I think that's like, that's probably been my favorite part is basically teaching on camera. Hey, these are the, you know, spaces that Japan has been very successful in. This is why they're scoring goals, you know, and, and break, like really breaking things down on camera. I, that's been like really fun to me. It's almost like going over film almost, you know, <laughs> so I think that's been really awesome. And the worst part, I honestly, I, I think really my pregnancy and standing all day, you know, um, that was, that's been the most challenging so far, like really just being on my feet, but, you know, I've been having the option to be able to sit. So I, I would say physically it's been standing for a long period of time. That's probably the most challenging. Now, J-Mac, you're naturally beautiful, but do you get the VIP treatment with makeup and everything? Do they do all that stuff for you? Yeah. Oh my goodness. So they, they do makeup and like they do hair, but not my hair because <laughs> my hair is already done. You know, I, I wake up like this, which is so nice having locks, but they dress us every day. They give us shoes and they give us clothes. And we had already gone over fitting. Um, we're kind of going back and forth. But I was like, look, you guys know I'm going to get bigger as I'm there. You know, so I was like, I need comfortable clothes and I need clothes that are going to stretch. Mm -hmm. I don't want anything tight. I was like, I do want to show my belly. You know, because it's like, I, I guess a lot of pregnant women don't really necessarily like showing off their figure when they're pregnant. You know, you're you're gaining weight and, you know, it, it can be a little insecure. But this time around, this pregnancy, I have just been totally embracing, you know, growing a human inside of me. And I think it's one of the most, I think it's the most beautiful thing ever. So I told them, I was like, look, I don't mind wearing dresses, but I want my dresses to show my belly. Like I, I want to show it off. And because I feel like it looks a little more badass, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> Love it. We're here with Jessica McDonald. We are less than eight hours away from the USA playing Portugal in a big time match. When we return, we'll have J-Mac break that one down and get her thoughts on some other teams that she thinks might win this World Cup. We're here with Jessica McDonald, a member of the 2019 U.S. Women's World Cup team that won their second World Cup in a row and their fourth overall. J-Mac on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. 
Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. You can't stop sport because hashtag you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Huddle is a proud partner of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Huddle's powerful yet intuitive solutions make it easy for coaches and athletes to be at their best. And now it's more affordable than ever. All ECNL clubs can get 25% off on Huddle and Huddle Assist, the game breakdown solution. Clubs of 10 teams or more can take advantage of the exclusive ECNL club package pricing. This bundle includes Huddle and Huddle Assist for every team and makes your club eligible for Huddle Focus Flex the all-new portable smart camera with full huddle integration at one affordable price. You can bring the best end-to-end performance analysis platform for soccer today. Just go to huddle.com slash pricing slash ECNL. That's huddle, H-U-D-L dot com slash pricing slash ECNL. Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S., at the highest levels. We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We're here with Jessica McDonald. She's over in Australia. She's now a TV star, a superstar indeed. And when I went to break, J-Mac, I don't know if you realize this, but we're less than eight hours away from the game, USA-Portugal. I don't know about you, but I got all kinds of nerves on this one. How are you feeling about it? What are you thinking? Honestly, I am still very confident in this USA side simply because I, I think being a part of that environment I know for a fact that the girls are going to get better each game, you know, as even when games get more challenging. So obviously the result wasn't necessarily what we wanted it to be against Netherlands. But if you look at stats in the second half, they got better. And so as tournaments always go on, the USMS national team has always managed to get better. So I think each game as they move forward, it's it's going to be really one for the books. I think it's still going to be entertaining enough for this USMS national team side to succeed. And, you know, I have no doubt that they're, you know, going to get the job done today against Portugal. So I'm excited. I'm I'm still confident. I like that you said they, because it's not a very big they. Like when you were there in 2019, everybody played. I remember a big time throw in from you that resulted in a goal you got in it seemed like pretty much everyone on the roster short of the goalkeepers got in Vlatko only played 12 in the last game a lot of question marks about that as you head in to this game and you know it, it already be played when this airs has he played enough players J-Mac because I feel like he could play more players yeah you know as now a spectator and, you know, I'm, I'm not a coach, so I can only really understand where he's coming from. I'm trying to be so neutral here. Obviously, like I have my opinion. I would have loved to have seen Lynn Williams play a little bit more. You know, she's one of my, actually, she's my favorite striker I've ever played with. And I think that she has been absolutely phenomenal this year in the NWSL. So 
I think if there was any game changer that would have gone in against Netherlands to help the U.S. Women's National Team win, it would have been Lynn Williams. She is the best, probably the best game changer on that squad right now. As far as what Vladko has said, you know, you have to look at the second half because they had momentum. You know, I mean, there was a point in time I, I, I knew like if we had another five minutes in that game, we probably would have scored. You know, it was, it was one of those games where, okay, we missed, we kept missing. Lindsey Rand finally scored. And then we just got so many more chances. It was like the game had opened up for the US Women's national team. And so there was this momentum. And sometimes you never know what's going to happen if you do change, you know, if, if you do make subs. And so, you know, Vladko wanted that momentum to continue, which I get that part. But what if he did sub? What would have happened? You know, so like, we don't know what the answer would have been had he made subs in that second half. But I know that the U.S. did dominate that second half, which I'm very much so satisfied with, you know, but still, I would have loved to have seen Lynn Lynn Williams get in. You know, I, I wanted to see my girl succeed even at the world stage. So let's assume you're right, that momentum stays with them. They get by Portugal. They win their group. They go on. As you look at it right now, who are the two or three teams that you think could challenge the U.S. to break their streak of back-to-back World Cup titles and win this World Cup, a team other than the U.S.? What, what are two or three teams that you have your eye on? Oh, man. One of my favorites right now to watch is Japan. Japan has been just absolutely outstanding from the goalkeeper to the front line and just seeing the amount of changes that they've been making throughout this world cup they have not had the same starting lineup yet uh their head coach has made he made five changes in the second game and made another five in the third game and they're just you know blowing through teams and you know just had a, a dominating performance against spain so they're kind of an intimidating team to watch and seeing that they haven't played the same system they've adjusted their system and they're still dominating that's that's very impressive and then another team Sweden has been pretty impressive and Colombia Colombia's actually really surprised me they they really have after their performance against Germany that that die hard, never giving up, scoring in the 97th minute in the World Cup, unheard of. So those are like my my few teams that I think could could make it. And I think, you know, Brazil's performance hasn't been that bad. I was really sad for the girls losing against France, but France really needed that win to, you know, gain some confidence. But uh, I would say those are my, my few picks who could really challenge the U.S. Women's national team. Boy, I like that because coming in, it felt like a lot of people were saying it's a, you know, USA England head on, but England has not made it look easy, right? I mean, they've won, but they've they barely won. What's their deal? Yeah, so I, they they have some some key players missing this World Cup, you know, um, from Beth Mee to Leah Williamson, and they just lost one in the midfield, so it, it's been a really harsh reality for England because their top goal scorers are they're gone. And so I think just adjusting to really losing your star power, it's, it's very difficult to replace those players. And I think that their back line has been sort of a weaker link because 
when they played against Denmark. They played against Denmark a few days ago, and there were times where Denmark just completely broke them down. I mean, Denmark hit the post a couple times. You know, I think the English back line has, has gotten pulled apart, you know, a little too easily with Lucy Bronze getting high and then teams being able to capitalize on her side when she's out of position. So they don't look like the same team as they did in the Euros last year. You know, you could just tell that they're they're missing those those key players, especially, you know, for the final third. It's interesting you say that because going back to the USA before we take our final break here, it, I don't feel like they look like the same team that you were on in 2019. And obviously there's some people that are gone, no more Tobin Heath and some other players and Becky Sauerbrunn and other players that are gone. And again, that's probably why I'm a little nervy right now is we'll know the result when this airs on Wednesday, whether the USA took care of business or not. But is Rose Lavelle, do you know, is she healthy enough to start? Or do you think that's where she belongs to come off the bench? And do you think that Vladko will trot out the same starting 11 for the third straight game, J-Mac? Okay, so now it's it's nice to be a spectator, and I'm really happy you asked me that because now I can like really open up, and you know I'm going to be a a little more critical than I have in the past. Now that I'm not in the environment, so Roosevelt, 100% a starter. I think since she played 45 last game, I give her 60 coming into today. You know, 75 moving forward. 90 possibly you know moving even further down the line so Roosevelt definitely a starter but I think you know Sab DeMello at the end of the day I actually think she's been one of the best in these last two games you know she's she's put midfielders under a lot of pressure her her press has been absolutely phenomenal she's she's created some chances as well and you know she hasn't lost the ball as much as a lot of players have, you know, throughout these last two games. So, um, but I mean, we're talking Rose Lavelle here. So I I think Rose should, should be starting today. And uh, she, she looks sharp coming into the Netherlands game. So yes to Rose Lavelle. These are the question marks that, you know, are are really up in the air because losing Becky Sovereign was such a huge loss for the back line and the experience back there. I think that, Crystal Dunn, uh, Emily Fox, and Naomi Gurma are absolutely phenomenal in the back. No doubt about it. But Julie Ertz, she was great against Netherlands as well. You know, she she's naturally a center back, so that's great experience in the back. But right now, there's no one to replace Julie Ertz. I think Alana Cook has been too inconsistent these last two years, so I would be worried if we threw Alana Cook you know, in at center back because she's not looking the same that she was a few years ago. So these last two years, I have worried about Alana Cook in the center back position. And that's hence the reason why Julie Ertz started back there. But Andy Sullivan has not been performing well in that sixth position. She gets pulled out of her position too easily. She is supposed to be the protection in the middle in front of our back line and as soon as she gets pulled out she misses key tackles hence the first Netherlands goal that got scored against the USA so and and I'm seeing her throwing the ball in in games I never want to see a six throwing a ball in that's really weird so she's just I think Andy Sullivan's been kind of all over the place and so that would be just like a perfect spot for a Julie Ertz 
you know, and so, but we need Julie Arts in the center back position simply because we we need that experience back there just because I, I am very worried about Alana Cook back there throughout the World Cup. And so, um, you know, Julie Arts can only play in one place. So the question mark is really in the sixth position, who would be the best fit there? Because I think so far, Andy Sullivan has not lived up to the expectation in that sixth position because it's... It's one of the key positions in football. You're like the the quarterback basically on the team. And Andy Sullivan has been the weakest link so far on this U.S. Women's National Team side, you know, coming into this World Cup. Oh, what a great take. J-Mac rolling right into her TV work. And I tell you what, that's how you make the big bucks. You call it like you see it and you throw it out there. We're with Jessica McDonald. She's got a great story, folks. A lot of you listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, have not heard the story of Jessica McDonald. In our last segment, you are going to hear the story of Jessica McDonald. It's a great story. Stay with us on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. ECNL Boys is partnering with Puma for the second year, driving sport forward with the leading products and the next generation of pros who wear them. Puma has proven themselves as the fastest sports brand in the world the fastest innovation, the fastest players, and the fastest products in the game. They're the perfect partner to complement the speed and talent of our teams. In keeping with their mantra of forever faster, Puma introduces the world's fastest boot, the Ultra. The only boot engineered for speed, the Ultra combines a woven upper with a lightweight outsole for direct forward motion, speed, and acceleration. It's the best in the game, designed for the best players in the game. The ECNL is pleased to announce Quick Goal as the official goal provider and partner for ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys, a new partnership created to support the growth and development of the country's top players, clubs, and coaches. At all national events, including national playoffs and national finals, the Quick Goal Coaches Corner will provide hospitality and social space for ECNL girls, ECNL boys, and collegiate coaches. Quick Goal will also be the presenting sponsor of the national championship winning ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys Coaches of the Year and the ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys Goals of the Year. Quick Goal looks forward to helping the ECNL continue to elevate the standards of youth soccer and provide more opportunities to players on and off the field in the coming years. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade, the studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, our final segment. Dean Linky here with Jessica McDonald. What a storied career it is. It started in Arizona, though, J-Mac, and we've got a new audience here. We have the ECNL, which continues to produce the next generation of college superstars, we just saw a player come straight from the ECNL to join the North Carolina Courage and Riley Jackson after being named the ECNL Player of the Year, said she was going to Duke. Now she's going right to the North Carolina Courage. A lot of the members on this U.S. Women's National Team, the younger players were ECNL stars. They need to hear your story. So, J-Mac, I know you've said it a million times, but talk about your story because you grew up in Phoenix and you grew up in a household where you flat out told me and have told others you needed to be outside playing and not just soccer, but track and basketball and everything just because your home life wasn't that great. Take us back to those days 
as we walk our way up to North Carolina and the pros. Can you do that for me? Absolutely. I think it's it's really important to be very open with your your story, especially when it comes to success. All people see is like, oh, Jess McDonald, professional athlete, World Cup gold medalist. You know, she's won some championships at a high level. It's like, okay, but y'all don't know what I went through to get to actually get here. And so I I grew up in a very domestic, violent household. Um, and I was extremely verbally and, and physically abused as a child. And, you know, that was, it almost seemed like a, a normal life. Cause that's just what I went through, you know, but I, I, as a coping mechanism, I never wanted to be home ever. And so knowing my ability as an athlete, I grew up with all boys. So I was already, you know, rough, you know, outside coming home with, you know, another bloody kneecap, you know, from, from playing so rough outside. And so I, I really knew my athletic ability when I was a little girl. Okay. I can pretty much do everything. And that was just my mindset. And so I used sport as a coping mechanism simply because it kept me out of the house. I never wanted to be home. So, you know, I was quarterback on a football team one season and then went straight from football season into volleyball season and you know it was just a, a great excuse to be out of the house and and stay active you know and and I grew up in the 90s where technology wasn't as popular of a thing anyway and so those were times where we were outside playing and growing up the only girl in the family for you know, first 14, 15 years of my life, I had, I had this sort of underdog mentality going out playing with the boys, you know, because I really had to prove myself, they wanted to pick on me because I was the only girl. And I'm like, Oh, screw that, like, LFG kind of mentality, you know, and, and I've always ran with that underdog mentality, my entire life in no matter what sport I was playing. And so that was just something that I wanted to continue throughout my life, because sport was really all that I knew, you know, and I'd, I'd come home late at night, get up early for school and there'd be school, basketball, track, soccer, home late at night, up early again, 6am school, basketball, track, soccer. And this was like, this was year round since I was almost five years old, basically. And it's still ongoing, even though I'm on maternity leave, but my schedule really hasn't changed much. So this is something that I've just been used to my entire life. Well, and with that, people think that it got rosier right away. But no, you had to go to a smaller college before you could finally arrive with Anson Dorrance and win those national championships. Tell us where you went and what that process was like and how you stayed in touch with Anson, because I find that compelling as well. Yeah. So growing up, University of North Carolina had always been my dream school. And it's funny because I grew up mostly playing basketball until soccer got really serious, probably around like eighth grade. And uh, Michael Jordan had always been my idol. So UNC was just always my, my dream school because of MJ. And so it was amazing to see the opportunity to be able to go to University of North Carolina. And, you know, it was the only school I visited, as many coaches that came to watch me play, I mean, Jill Ellis 
came to one of my basketball games in high school because she wanted to recruit me for soccer at UCLA at the time. And still, even then, I didn't even go to, I didn't visit UCLA. And so, you know, UNC was just always, you know, in, in my path. And so when I was a junior in high school, I had, um, had a really bad falling out with my mom. Once again, you know, she, um, she hit me one day and I ran away from home. I was 17 years old in, in my junior year in high school. And it was just a very pivotal year in my life. And my grades fell, you know, I am now on my own since I was 17 years, you know, at 17 years old, trying to figure out life now, now that I'm out of my mom's house. And so, um, my grades fell. And so I don't know if it's like this still, but your grade point average had to match your, you had to get a certain score with your SAT scores. And I didn't meet that requirement with my SAT scores. My SAT scores were absolutely horrible. My grades started to fall. And so I had no choice but to go to junior college first at this point. And, you know, I graduate high school with a very low GPA. And even when I was in junior college, Anson Dorrance stayed in contact with me. It was one of those like, Jess, I still want you. Jess, get your AA degree and you still have your full ride scholarship at UNC. And it was just amazing to have, to have Anson have my back still even though people always saw junior college as, as, uh, as like nothing, basically, I, I lost a lot of, I lost a lot of friends. And I even had family members pretty much talk down on me once I committed to Phoenix College at the time, it was like, oh, you're going to end up like your mom. Oh, you're going to do nothing with your life because you're going to junior college and, and people never saw junior college as a good thing. Whereas since being in junior college, since I was there, that was probably the best thing that has happened for me because that, that opportunity going to JUCO really got to pick things back up for me in my life because I had such great mentors that were at, that were at Phoenix College. And even at Phoenix College, I played three sports. I stuck with basketball, I ran track, and I played soccer. And every day I trained with the men's soccer team as well. So it was basically like I played four sports and I ended up graduating with honors. So that's how disciplined I was in junior college. Um, you know, I had a loaf of bread with me every day with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because I was on campus from literally 7 a.m. until about 10 p.m. Because it would just be classes all day. I'd go to like, basketball practice and then I'd have a soccer game after you know and then I wouldn't get home until 10 p.m at the time and I was bouncing I was bouncing around from home to home since my junior year in high school anyway so at this point I was on my friend's couch who lived right across the street from Phoenix College so I just go to her house and then um her family was pretty wealthy so she fed me most days and it's funny because we're still best friends still to this day and we still talk about those times of me, you know, staying on her couch and we'd, we'd walk to class together. We'd have basketball practice sometimes early in the mornings doing fitness. And um, so there were just people that came into my life at Phoenix College when 
I needed them most and didn't know I needed them. And, you know, and, and without that support at Phoenix College, I wouldn't have made it to UNC. And, and this also comes from the mentors I also had on campus. You know, they were like, oh, you're doing study hall every single day. Like, we need to get you at University of North Carolina. Like, my soccer coach at the time, Morgan Lee, knew how important it was for me to transfer to UNC. So, you know, we got my classes. <laughs> I think every coach on campus, even the football coach, um, it's funny, the football coach wanted me to kick for the team, but I was like, no, I, I can't do that, but I don't have time. Even the football coach knew knew my schedule. Coaches, like everyone on campus knew what my schedule was. And if I didn't, if I was late to class, which I don't think I ever was, you know, just any any scenario, anytime I walk past a coach, like, oh, you don't you have math right now? Oh, you should be in study hall right now. I'm like, I know, I know, you know. So I was really, really disciplined those first two years in college, which really helped pave the way for me in my college career and, and being able to move forward with my life and what I wanted to do and what my goal was. Like people were there for me during that time. I needed that. I needed junior college, honestly, to be where I am today. Going through all of that, when you did arrive in Chapel Hill, did you feel like you were on top of the world? Like you, you had made it? Or was there still a lot of work to do for Jessica McDonald? There was still a lot of work to do for Jessica McDonald because now it's like, okay, I'm away from home. This is, this is honestly what I've been wanting for so long, like being far away from Arizona as I possibly could. Um, but I feel like I was just getting started. I was like, okay, I went through, you know, mostly the hard part, which was at Phoenix College. You know, I, it was a minor setback, very minor, you know. And so um, once I got to UNC, it was like, okay, finally, I can breathe. I am here now. Let's go. And I think that was just the start of the journey that I wanted to be on in my life. And, you know, it, it took a lot of hard work and blood, sweat and tears basically to get there, but it was so worth it. But I thought at the time, you know, I was just getting started. When you think about Anson Dorrance and you and I visited with him on the Vision of a Champion podcast, which was brilliant. So we know the role that he played then and continues to play. And Bill Palladino, you have been open about that. But what about teammates? What teammates come to mind at North Carolina that lifted you up when you needed to be lifted up, J-Mac? Yeah, so Tobin Heath was, she is such an incredible human being. Tobin Heath, Casey Nagara. Um, when Courtney Jones came onto the squad, I got really close with her and her family. Um, I would say those three I was I was probably closest with and um, and, and a few others, of course, but those were some of the main people that I would, and Nikki Washington, oh my gosh, Nikki, um, you know, some of my favorite people on the team, simply because at the time when I did get to UNC, when you're in college, you're trying to find yourself, like, who, who am I, who, who's, who's Jessica McDonald, like, what, what's your purpose, why are you here, you know, and so there was something much bigger than me that I was trying to seek. And um, Nikki, Tobin, and Casey really helped me with that. And I honestly don't even know, and Allie, Allie Hawkins a little bit as well. 
um, I'm not even sure if they know today the impact that they had on my life when I was at UNC. So we, I joined them with um, AIA on campus, Athletes in Action, which is, you know, a, a Christian group of athletes on campus and um, FCA as well. And so I was really able to find my faith and it was awesome because I was able to find that on my own. I, I grew up in a Baptist church with my grandmother who we went to church every Sunday, you know, just like any other grandmother, basically. And I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really understand it. It was like a weird environment for me as a kid. I didn't really understand, you know, and our, our pastor screaming and yelling during church. And I'm like, this, this is weird, you know, and I fall asleep half the time in church anyway, as a child. And so, you know, growing up, I, I really wasn't religious, even though, you know, grew up in the church, but um, it was, it was kind of a head scratcher for me. And so I think, going into college at UNC, I was really able to seek my faith. And I think that's where the start of my journey um, really began. And it was because of Tobin, Nikki, Allie, and, and Casey Nagara, you know, just, just being with those incredible group of women um, really helped me rely on something whenever I go through good times or bad times, you know, I was with them and, and this was, um, this was just something that connected us and connected us with our faith as well. So that really helps me, you know, really get through a lot of hard times throughout my life, like no matter what I've been going through. Well, yeah, because there were more hard times, there were good times, but there were more hard times because you were born to be a pro athlete through all the adversity and through getting out of the house because you had to and playing with the boys and becoming an elite level athlete. And then the pro league comes and it disappears. You also shatter your knee. Then somewhere in there, you have a baby and you make it all the way back from that. And lo and behold, you become one of the all time greats in the NWSL and you make the world cup team in 2019. I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's been that, uh, never give up mentality. You know, you, you want to talk about a, a crazy journey. I think there was a point in time, um, you know, in the NWSL, the first five years being in this league, I was traded six times. And I had my son with me and I was getting paid basically nothing. Uh, you know, the first few years I was getting paid 15 grand. And then it was like a couple of years later, 18 grand. And I don't think I made no more than 22 grand before the year 2018. And at that time, every off season, I had to figure out our lives, mine and my son's life. And I remember one off season, I was working at Amazon packing boxes and I was working 11 and a half hour days and still trying to train at the same time. And that was probably the most mentally exhausting time throughout my pro career. And so that was a time where I was like, I, 
I don't want to play anymore. This, this is just not worth it. And the reason why I felt that way, not just because I was working full time and, you know, scraping pennies, but the simple fact that I thought I had proven myself in the NWSL at that point. And this was probably by like 2016, 2015, because, you know, I was leading goal scorer on the Houston Dash. They ended up trading me. I had set the goal scoring record for Portland Thorns, got golden boot for that team. And, you know, this was world cup year in 2015 and i thought i'd I'd proven myself and i'm like okay it looks like i'm getting no chance with the u.s women's national team that was the only reason why i was playing at the pro level i always wanted to make it into camp and so i finally sat down with my uncle one day and you know my uncle and i were really close and you know i was just like i was just opening up to him this was the time i was working at amazon i was like i don't know if i want to do this much longer and he was like are you kidding me he's like screw that you're only 20 something years old I was like 27 28 maybe at the time and he's like are you kidding me he's like do you know how much me your mom and all of your aunts and uncles would kill to be in your shoes to be a professional athlete he's like we all had the ability we just never did it you know and he was like you are representing our family he's like you want to quit because it's hard. You want to quit because, you know, you didn't make the team yet. He's like, what if you make the team next year? He's like, screw that. He's like, give something to prove. He's like, especially for Jeremiah, because he knows that, you know, one of my inspirations in my life to be successful as a pro athlete really is both of my parents, they had the chance to go professionally in sports. Like they were phenomenal athletes. My dad, football, track, baseball. I mean, you name it. I mean, all American and everything. Same with my mom. My mom was the only woman on her high school soccer team. And they both had, they had kids at such a young age. My mom had my brother and I before graduating high school. So she never took that path of continuing athletics. You know, once she had my brother and I, uh, before she graduated high school and my dad turned to the streets, you know, thinking he can make a quick buck and you know, he dropped out of college his freshman year once he found out, you know, about his first kid and then he had me. And so um, they both quit sport because they use their kids as an excuse. And so now I'm like, oh, crap. Okay. So this is my inspiration. I am now a mom. I cannot use my child, you know, as an excuse because I thought that with my life being so hard, so is his, you know, I'm, you know, scraping pennies. I I could probably, you know, qualify for food stamps still in my life as a professional athlete. You know, it was that rough, but my uncle was just like, what? Because it's hard. He's like, you don't, you don't want to regret quitting being a professional athlete. He said, you will. I, I promise you. He's like, this is all you've been doing your whole life. Could you imagine actually quitting? And I was like, dang, okay, this is kind of a slap in my face. I was like, you're absolutely right. And funny enough, the very next year, I get my first call up into camp with Jill Ellis and the Osos national team the very next year. And it's like, and then, you know, it just continued from that point on. This is, you know, late 2016 when I got into my first camp and then made She Believes Cup in 2017. And um, I didn't go into camp for a little while. It was like a World Cup build, you know, 
missed missed a handful of camps and then ended up back with the U.S. team um, in 2018. So it was just like, could you imagine if I really stopped playing, you know, and my uncle basically slapped me in the face and was like, you're absolutely not quitting. Like that's, that's not an, an option whatsoever. So I was just like, okay, yeah, you're right. You know, you're right. And then the next year, and here I am now. <laughs> and you, one of the things I loved about you covering you with the Currys during and after the world cup is you talk about carpe diem. I mean, you seized the day you said no to nothing. I mean, whether it was modeling, I mean, you did some wild and wacky stuff all for the benefit of getting out of your comfort zone. And I admire that out of you so much hearing your story as well. You didn't say no to anything, right, J-Mac? It was on, right? Oh, absolutely. It, it was like, it's been an all or nothing life for me just because, you know, I, I've been on my own since I was 17. And now being a mom, I have no choice but to take on, you know, every opportunity that comes my way. So it's like, oh, I'm I'm doing this because I'm also just setting an example for my kid. And I want my story to be an inspiration to him to be successful at whatever it is he chooses to do. I also want your story to be an inspiration to all of these players now in the ECNL as we even look at this current team. They're loaded with ECNL alumni as we wrap up our time and we're so appreciative of you pouring out your heart and sharing your story even more in depth than you ever had before j mac i really appreciate that and i think that says a lot about how you and i have grown together as well as i consider you a friend and i hope you feel the same way and i'm so proud of you particularly now that you're in the media world i hope maybe someday i can call a game with you as well as j mac but what is your message as we say goodbye to these ecnl boys and girls for that matter about never giving up what do you have to say to them about hanging in there and fighting through and persevering yeah so i think one important thing about succeeding and winning because that's what everybody wants to do they want to be successful and they they want to win but there is no success there is no winning without losing and failing first that's where your mindset grows the most. That's where you learn the most is when you fail and when you lose. If you think about other athletes and their success, you're you're only looking at the championships. I mean, Michael Jordan won five championships with the Bulls. Think about the other years that he didn't make the championship, which was way more years than him winning the championship. So know that your path at being successful at whatever it is you want to be successful at, it's not just going to be this straight line. I mean, you're going to go through hurdles, brick walls, U-turns, loops. I mean, you name it. It's it's going to be a very chaotic path than what you expect. But know during those hard times, that's where you get better. And that's where your mental competitiveness in your life grows and that's where you just learn the most and that's what makes the process of success so much more unique because you do look back at you know oh I went through injury but look at me now oh I you know I went through you know this sickness look at me now oh I went through this path I failed a class look at me now you know it, it's it's going to take 
failure and it's going to take losses in order to be successful. There, there is no success without failing and losing ever. I mean, anybody who has succeeded at a high level can tell you that. And don't give up because that's part of the process. You have to find a way to fall in love with the process. You know, you lose a game, the next day you got to focus on the next one. Learn from it, watch film, do better the next time. And everything will just fall into place for you, no matter what it is. That's awesome. And uh, you're right. Michael Jordan even got cut from the team. I think he actually won six championships, J-Mac. Actually, six. I think he won Yeah, three. I said five. He won yeah. six. He had yeah. along the way, though, um, even as he was winning those six and even before he started to win those six. That is a great sentiment. Jessica McDonald, we're just a few hours away now from USA Portugal, and you're kind enough to share your story. It's a great one. And it's a one that's only going to get greater, in my opinion. So thank you so much for taking time to be with us from Australia on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. It is indeed an honor, J-Mac. Thanks, Dean. Always, always a pleasure having a nice little chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. What a phenomenal story Jessica McDonald has to share with each and every one of you. We're so glad she did it right here on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. I want to thank all the great people at the ECNL, especially Andrea Wheeler and her great crew. I want to thank my producer, Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them and all of you, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you in two weeks for another edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info at theecnl.com. Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.